Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. Sports Guy JP, how are you this Tuesday evening? Oh, I'm doing great. How how are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm uh I'm enjoying uh, a nice cozy night in. <laughs> Warming. Yeah, I mean, you really can't beat that right after Thanksgiving. It's I'll tell you what. I, I have this office set up in my basement now, where where we're doing the uh, the sports show, and I have like the perfect lighting, and then I have this space heater behind me. I'm like gonna fall asleep. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's that's ideal, especially um, you know this time of day, uh, daylight savings and everything. I also have the uh, a bunch of signed pictures up here. Uh, the the talent level ranges quite a bit. Uh, we have Evgeny Malkin holding up the Stanley Cup, and then we have Jan Herdina just skating on the blue line. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are about equally equal value. I'd the, say the other the other wall. I have Steve Largent, Hall of Famer, and then I have Peyton Hillis. Oh, greatest uh, video game Madden cover boy of all time! I'll tell you what, I got that as that Madden cover was was. It was probably that year, and then the stock couldn't have fallen anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's like you put investing in Bitcoin or something. Pey- Peyton Hillis, uh, didn't he go to the Chiefs after? Yeah, he was like a giant in a Chief for a minute. I don't remember even the Chiefs. Yeah. I kind of remember that. He he did. He like came on strong for like two years and then nothing. <laughs> yeah, d- d- definitely worth displaying, though, in the... Uh cozy studio yeah he uh he played with who felix jones is that was his name is it felix jones and darren mcfadden yeah. didn't they all play and felix jones yeah from arkansas yeah yeah i don't know why felix jones doesn't sound like a name anyway for everyone listening thank you for listening uh we have the uh sports extra tonight we're gonna review the game in indianapolis preview the game against the atlanta falcons and then jp's gonna make his picks um and then, just so everyone knows, listen to the normal Poor Man's Podcast. Every Monday, you can watch the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. So definitely tune into that. You can go back and watch any of the episodes on YouTube as well. So, JP, let's start with the game in Indianapolis on Monday night. Steelers with a win. I don't... It's a bittersweet, kind of. You never want to root for a loss, but in the end, when the when the Colts pulled ahead, I was like, this isn't so bad. Maybe they're going to end up with a better pick, and then they found a way to beat the Colts. So, kind of staying in the middle of the pack, 4-7. and seven. Uh, what, what are your takeaways from this game? Uh, kind of like I said last week, heading into it, I was happy to see um, opportunities for situational football in it close game for uh this young team to really develop um i i uh like you was kind of leaning towards taking a loss for an earlier draft pick um but ideally you you do want to practice getting out and winning football games and i was happy to see um the steelers were able to uh come back when the colts took a 17 16 lead i wasn't sure how the team would respond and they were able to Respond not only with a touchdown, but a two-point conversion to match it. And mm-hmm. uh, defense held on strong at the end. And, well, uh, and some poor clock management from Indianapolis. But I was happy to see that situationally down the stretch, they were able to move the chains on third down and, uh, you know, uh, convert and score touchdowns instead of field goals in this game in particular. Yeah, that's huge. Um, it was another game, Kenny Pickett not throwing a touchdown pass, but one that hit off Deontay Johnson's that should have been a touchdown pass. Uh, George Pickens, too, I believe, dropped a touchdown. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I, I didn't get to see all of it. I only got to see uh, the, the end. I got to see the fourth quarter because we were doing the regular Poor Man's podcast with David Kay and Natalie Moses yesterday, but I did listen to it on the way home. I'll tell you what, George Pickens is a hell of a player. I think he's really going to be something. And he, for his, 
He's a bigger guy, but he kind of looks skinny. But I'll tell you what, man, he can make those combat catches going across the middle. I, I'm really looking forward to his career. Uh, I think he's very much what Yinzer Nation portrays Chase Claypool to be, is George Pickens' actual reality. We're actually seeing a guy who's making the contested catches consistently, and he's moving the chains on third down and uh, making the sideline catches. Um, this game, he did have a couple drops, and he only finished with three catches for 57 yards, but they were clutch catches and contested balls that he was moving the field with, um, down the field with, and I, I, I agree with you. I think he has potential to be a Pro Bowl caliber player, and uh, I think he's a perfect uh, complementary piece to Deontay Johnson because th- those guys are two different styles of receiver, and uh, it's great to have b- b- uh, both types that can play at a high level in this league it's it's yeah uh you they're very similar in the way that they can make the incredible catch but then miss maybe some easier ones here and there especially Deontay Johnson on that um we saw a touchdown by Benny Snell uh what did you think of the running game a running game was uh impressive this week um and honestly it was uh, a lack of production um when Najee Harris went down and uh, Jalen Warren wasn't even available from the get-go. Um, we we're like back to McFarland and Snell, who we've seen plenty of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, with uh, disappointing reviews. But this week they were able to move the ball very well. Uh, McFarland and Snell both averaging five or more yards per carry. Uh, Snell, you said, added a touchdown on the goal line. Uh, Najee also punched in a touchdown on the goal line. And uh, they, they were getting back to Steeler football by running the ball. And... Uh, Big shout-out to the offensive line this week in particular. They were able to keep um, the, the run game going, moving the chains, and um, uh, Kenny Pickett seemed more comfortable in the pocket, even though uh, they did allow three sacks, one that was untouched when Ndokwe got after Pickett. But I, I do got to give uh, the offensive line a, a shout-out in the run game this week. Um, they're a young team, but this was... You know, the Colts this year, much like the Steelers, have a lost season. We got a couple more teams like that in Atlanta and Carolina down the road in the schedule. So I think it's it's good experience for the learning or good learning experience for the young guys to, you know, show that they can play at an NFL level against um, some of these weaker opponents. So, you know, a, a big takeaway is that they were able to you know, at least gain some experience and develop uh, in this game. And uh, I don't see the consistency when they play the top-notch teams, but this was, you know, a a step in the right direction. Do you think the offensive line is uh, maybe one of the problems with just not playing together? They have more of a rapport now, or do you still think they're not as talented? Like in the beginning of the year, we were like, well, they're a new kind of group together. Um or are they not good? And now it looks like, I mean, they're coming together a little bit, it, it appears as that, but what what are, what are your thoughts on them? It, it's, it's just kind of like, like I, I think both both parts are true. They're, they're a young group that has never played together. They, they have a new center this year, a uh, new guard, and uh, Kevin Dotson missed a lot of time last year, so the interior is all new. And I think uh, Dan Moore's in year two. So I know it, it's a young team coming up that, haven't played consistently. Um, so, you know, it's a combination of both. I think they're learning to play together. But, uh, again, to that, through the 10 games, they have been one of the bottom offensive lines across the NFL. And, uh, I mean, that, that's really where, you know, the battle begins is in the trenches. And uh, good offensive lines produce stronger run and pass games. And uh, it, it, it's always something with the Steelers' offense in particular. Um, there's just... I'd like to see more production, it seems like, and I just don't consistently get that. It seems like every week we get a strong opening drive, and then you get the next eight drives where it's maybe a field goal and nothing else going. And uh, I I, I would just like to see more consistency out of the offense, a little bit more explosive plays, and I think a lot of that begins with the protection you get up front. I'll tell you what, after watching uh, the Philadelphia game the other day, seeing like a quality offensive line, it's insane. Yeah, and Philadelphia, like they're what, 10 and 1, and they're running the football better than anybody in 2022. I mean, yeah, in today's NFL, I thought it was all about over the top uh, 
deep balls than Mahomes and Josh Allen types, but you're seeing a team like Philly who's run first, you know, through their quarterback as well, who seems to be, you know, a run first option. This team is just moving the sticks because of the protection they're providing. And it's crazy to see a run first team be this good in 2022. Yeah, I think I think they're a really solid contender. Uh, I really like what I see from them, and I really like uh, Sirianni. Yeah, and I, I think, too, I mentioned this while I was watching them, is J- Jalen Hurts is a runner is every bit as good as Lamar Jackson. He's just not as, I guess, like flashy. He's a little bit slower, but I think the body he has is almost better for the run game because he's willing to dish out a hit. It's like, he he's he looks better than Cam Newton did when he was younger in his days. I think. I mean, I'm just seeing a guy who looks way more controlled and confident of the football, willing to take a shot. And out Philly to me, it's just it's a very difficult team to game plan around because there's nobody like them in today's NFL. Yeah, I mean, you see 49ers kind of running the ball, and that's kind of I mean uh, Baltimore too. But yeah, predominantly it's a uh, it's a pass game now. Um, let's take it to the defense a little bit. What what were your thoughts on uh, how the defense played? Uh, I was happy with how the defense uh, played generally throughout the game. They uh, created some turnovers on the goal line, um, on, on the fumble that they had, and uh, or even early in the game, the first two balls Matt Ryan threw looked like they could have led to turnovers. And uh, was James Pierre was able to rail in an interception early in the game, and. Uh, I, I think as a unit, they're, they're, they're coming along str- stronger. I don't know if it was necessarily them developing and maturing or if it was just, you know, a weak opponent with a coach in game three. But, yeah, um, yeah they, they were able to get um, some pressure from the secondary. I know uh, Millett and Edmonds both added a sack um, f- from, you know, r- rushing the D-backs. Um, Alex Highsmith also had a forced fumble sack. So they were creating turnovers, uh, generating pressure, and I think the the thing that really benefited them was the fact that they were playing against Matt Ryan and year, you know, whatever it is, whatever age he's playing, he's like a tree back there. He uh, so, uh, he looks like he's just fallen off. Yeah, he's it, not that he can't pass bad. anymore. He just seems old. Yeah, it, it's it's very much like Ben now, like Ben at his final stages. It's just yeah. Yeah, the, the the game today is much faster, and it's just not what it was when these guys were younger. It's not so. It, it's not much like that pocket passer. You do need to be somewhat mobile, like we just said about Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. He just doesn't have the arm talent as those guys or the mobility. Yeah. Um, Even just uh, to move around in the pocket kind of thing. Like, you, not saying that he has to run a 4-4, but like just to be able to move around. Yeah, and, and buy time and help out your offensive line that's been struggling all year. Um, I know J- Jelani Woods for the Colts um, ha- had himself a, a great game, 98 yards off eight catches. Um, Michael Pittman, 61 yards and a touchdown. But besides those two guys, they held every other opponent or every other player to under 20 receiving yards. So, I mean, that's a big win. But again, it's like the, the coverage in the middle, which is where you see Woods, the tight end, making these plays. It's like, I don't know, De- De- Devin Bush, Miles Jack, it's very tough in today's NFL, but it just seems like, you know, consistent coverage in the middle is something the Steelers have been lacking all year. Yeah, it seems like they lack attacking the opposing middle as well. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. And, like, there's wide open holes, and it's not, they're not defending the run either. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had himself 86 on the day. Matt Ryan actually had 22 yards on the ground too. Wow! <laughs> if you saw, he had. I, what that, was that his plus or minus on the uh, the alternate rushing yards? It has to be what two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I would say no, no, no more than that. Absolutely, like three. Yeah, there's <laughs> no way. It's yeah, 22. Like... So yeah, we're not seeing these linebackers stop the run or cover the middle, and that's the easiest place to move the football if you're an opposing offense. Yeah, well, I, I, I was even meaning on the Steelers' offense, they don't attack the other team's middle of the field either. They're, they're, the entire team lacks the, the middle of the field. Yeah, and, and to that, I was going to say, like, either plays today to, or uh, last night where I don't know what Canada was calling, but, like, there was, like, the play action 
screen that he threw to Zach Gentry where they lost yeah. the Warriors. Yeah, that was yeah, a, such like, a what dumb What are you play. doing? Like, we should use more opportunities across the field. There's also just, like, best-case scenario, you're throwing a screen to Zach Gentry. Is that really, like, I don't know. Is that what you need the, <laughs> well, the six-foot-seven tight end for? Like, have him go make a catch in the middle of the field. Yeah, I think the intention was to, like, draw him the play action, and then he would block and release. But, like, team, no one was buying it. It just didn't develop well. Colts read it the whole way. And uh, well, Gentry is not... I mean, he's definitely not the athlete Fryermuth is, and he's definitely not a speedster tight end by any means. He's definitely not Darren Waller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's it's just like common sense tells you, even if the block is set up, Gentry's hit yet three yards. Yeah, I just feel like it's not. And what? Like, if the opposing team knows you're not doing a play action, you're going to go hit Deontay Johnson 40 yards down the sideline. You're only going to throw it four yards. Yeah, and, and again, like that's where you see uh, Kenny Pickett finished twenty at twenty eight, but he only had one hundred seventy four yards. He's not necessarily taking the shots. Again, it was more of a conservative style of offense, but it did lead to a, a victory this week. And uh, I mean, I, I, I have seen some maturity in Pickett's game the past couple weeks. He's been turnover free, um, but but there's still ways to go. Like on, on the sack and Dockway had on him, I would have preferred him throw that ball away quicker instead of holding on to it. But I, I don't know if, from what I've seen just as a unit, if this is a team built to play in the modern NFL. Yeah. And I don't know if they're leading or, you know, steering the ship in the right direction. Well, I think with Tomlin, he's kind of old school minded defensive, hard nosed football, Steeler football, run the ball kind of thing. And maybe the game's just passing him. Yeah, but like you also see, like Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers play defense. Like they hitch it. And that's like an old school 80, 70 style of defense they have. You don't even see that in Pittsburgh very much anymore. And even the run game, it like it, it's a non creative run game. It seems like just in every, and then a fellow today, unless you have a premier running back. You need to almost disguise the way you're running the football, and the yeah. Steelers just aren't doing that. Uh, I blame Canada so much for so much of this because, especially going back last year, um, I kind of blame Ben for being old, and I still do. Like he wasn't anything close to what he was. Um, but I was like, oh, Ben's just he can't throw the ball down the field. He doesn't have the arm anymore. And like with Kenny Pickett this year, oh, maybe it's not. He didn't have the arm, which he still didn't have his arm. But, like, it might be just the play calling. that are, It's just – it's such trash. Yeah, it, it truthfully is. And, I mean, Roethlisberger found a way to take him to the playoffs last year, pulling, you know, a rabbit out of his hat in the fourth quarter every week. Right, I'm more and impressed like with his – how he did last year. Like, not that it was anything spectacular, but, like, he was definitely probably being uh, held back. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I see many ways Kenny Pickett being held back for his development with this offense. Um, everything's an end around, a screen, curl, slant. It's just level routes where your receivers are going the same direction as four defenders, where you're creating a, you're giving the defense the benefit of the doubt and creating like an opposite mismatch. You're sending two receivers the same direction against four defenders and. I don't know. I just I feel like the play calling's been atrocious. Najee Harris has regressed the offensive line in many ways. Um, like I think Kevin Dotson in particular has regressed. I feel like, um, and then like Chase Claypool was this talent that just never developed, according to many people. And uh, I mean, they end up trading him. I just it seems like there's a lot of pieces here that have just you know, not been utilized properly. And he, he, Deontay Johnson this year has regressed too. And I don't know if it's a lot of the play of Kenny Pickett, who's younger and doesn't have the authority that Ben had to audible necessarily or challenge the coaches. So he's just sticking with what they tell him to do. But in any way, it, 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 there's a lot of regression on this football team. Do you, do you think that Matt Canada just thinks he's like smarter than everyone else? Like he's doing this new, like cutting edge uh, offense where he's doing these motions and things like, does he think that he's 
doing something spectacular because I feel like it's like watching a team that knows they they aren't good enough to to beat the other team, so they have to trick them essentially. And it's always sloppy too. Like it, it doesn't seem like it's controlled trickery, kind of what you see with Andy Reid or Sean McVay or something the Dolphins run in today's NFL or the 49ers. Like there are many teams that utilize this 21st century offensive attack and do it well. It seems like Canada doesn't even like know how to do that. It's like he'll send a a fake reverse and it doesn't even like build to a play action later in the game or anything. It just seems like they try it for the sake of trying it. And if, you know, they do the end around that fakes and they're hitting Friermuth on a, on a drag route to the outside or something, you know, I, I just, I, I don't even think he's like utilizing the, the motions and jet sweeps and trickery the way other teams do. Like, it seems like he wants to do it at times, but he, he's not even like doing it right. It seems like he's doing it too often where it's just like, that's your normal set. Like, that's just what we do. Yeah. It's, it's almost forced and it's, it's not, you're not putting drives together this way. And uh, quite frankly, I, I, it's not working. And he, he, he really shouldn't be there next year. I, really, I think it was a dumb hire from the get-go. I really don't think just like having receivers and stuff on end-arounds is a, a way to do a consistent running game. Yeah, I agree. And Fryermuth Johnson and uh, Pickens, and you could say Najee too. Like These are some... Uh, some good pieces you have on your offense and he's just not they're they're not putting points on the border you know moving the ball downfield um and i don't know if that's a quarterback issue with where pickett is today but even when trubisky was there sealers just were not moving the ball i I really do feel like a lot of it is on matt canada his offense and coaching just seems to be a total mess and uh Part of it has to be on Tomlin, too, because, like I said, it's just I, I don't think that they're adapting today's NFL. De- defense has, like, you can only do so much as a defensive first team. And it, it's how they were able to get by victories last year when you have a guy that sets the sack record and Cam Hayward who has double-digit sacks. You know, it's easier when that's happening. But if you're not doing that, you're losing football games. You, you need to build a better way to, to move the football. And I think that a lot of it starts with coaching. What, I mean, what even would have to be the lineup for this offense to work? Like you'd have to have what Tyreek Hill on reverses or somebody like Debo Samuel, Cordero Patterson, somebody like that. Like, I don't even know. Then you'd have to have a mobile quarterback. Like, I don't even know what the offense would have to have for the offense to click. Yeah, like Pickens isn't really like the, uh, a reverse guy too. Like you want him to be more of the uh, go up and jump and make the play sort of receiver, kind of like like uh, Calvin Johnson was back in the day. Obviously, he's not as talented as he was, but you want him to be that big body to go down the field. Deontay Johnson is that speed speedster where you can do those plays, but I don't think he's like big enough too. like you gotta find like a fair balance like you said with like a Debo Samuel or Tyreek Hill who's just electrifying fast um but maybe that's why they drafted uh Calvin Austin who we just haven't seen all year I could see maybe him being the gadget guy they were hoping to have yeah but still basing your entire offense around a Calvin Austin or something like uh, I I don't know we'll we'll see going forward I guess I guess we'll just count the weeks down until Canada's (laughs) hopefully fired now, going forward, we have Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta's always kind of a boring game for me. I just hate the way it looks playing in Atlanta, the way the camera is. I don't know what it is. Maybe they always play on Fox, but uh, besides that, I don't know how great the game's going to be anyway. We have uh, a 5-7 and seven Falcons team coming in against the 4-7 and seven Steelers, or I guess they're going to Atlanta. Um, what, what are we thinking about that? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they do get the Falcons this coming week. And, um, again, I'm hoping the Steelers can just take it as, like, a game to uh, develop offensively, take some shots, uh, let Kenny Pickett get comfortable in the pocket, let the offensive line hold up against this team, who's not well-known for defense. But uh, what they do well, though, is they run the football 
consistently and they stick to their game plan of running the football. They're actually second in the NFL in total rush yards. Wow. And they don't and yeah, they don't abandon the run game despite not having, you know, a premier running back. They use all their guys, um, you know, Huntley, Patterson, and even Mariota running the football himself. They uh they're really dedicated to it. And this is gonna be a game for the Steelers who um last year were last against the run, I believe. This is a chance for them to get right. Falcons are going to be coming out firing because they still have a shot in their division, still have a shot to go to the playoffs. Steelers don't. So this is a game where you have to stop them, you know, at the line of scrimmage, force them into uncomfortable situations where they have to throw the football if you expect to win. On the contrary, if we lose and get an earlier draft pick, like we've said all year, I don't really mind it. So I want them to go out and just, dedicate themselves to stopping the run and you know i i want them to you know develop that skill set rather than look for a w necessarily i want defensively them to be dedicated to finding ways to slow them down and kind of like what, what i just said about these teams that find unique ways to run the football atlanta's gonna do that it's a copycat league as well maybe find a way you know, find look at some of their plays and see ways we could utilize that with uh, the Steelers run game. And uh, you just said the, it's a copycat league. Do you think the Steelers even do that? I feel like they're they feel like they're almost no better. Like we're, we are the Steelers, we don't have to adapt. Yeah, they do have their old school ways of doing business, but I, I mean, it's just like we said about Canada. It seems like he's forcing these offensive motions and plays that I feel like it's almost like he is copycatting it. And then he realizes he doesn't have the players capable of doing it. Yeah. Like he would need to have like create, he created himself on Madden who's 99 at everything. And now he can do end arounds. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, wait, but, but think- before you go on that, you were just saying Falcons are vying for a division title right now. The NFC South sucks. Like they're like the opposite of the NFC East right now. Yeah, easily the worst division in football, which is usually the NFC East. But <laughs> yeah, how about the East in general? AFC East and NFC East could have every team in their division in the playoffs. <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. I did. I saw that with the NFC East because I was like, I can't believe Washington, and I still don't think I've ever called them the Commanders. I just call them Washington. Um, <laughs> I can't believe they're seven and five, and the the Balconeers. Uh, the Buccaneers are leading the division right now just because they have one less loss than the Falcons, but they're five and six, five and seven. I can't believe Carolina is like a game behind first place in anything. They're four and eight. Like they're, they're vying for it as well. Yeah. And saints have been disappointing too. So like, I'm surprised Atlanta and Carolina are just right in there despite what they've had quarterback. Um, I was going to say the uh, Falcons, too, they're second to last in the NFL in passing yards. And uh, they've only thrown 14 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So this is a team, if you want to beat them, stop the run and force them to pass. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's funny that team so low in passing the football is, like, contending for their division. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't I, know I what's, what's going on in that division. I mean, like... I feel like you have Tom Brady, who I feel like is definitely not as dynamic uh, or like, okay, oh, Tom Brady's playing. He's going to win. Um, we'll see in the playoffs. He probably still has that. But, like, these quarterbacks in this division, like, who is, who scares you? Right. That's true. Like, I feel like the Bucks and Saints have a pretty good roster at certain pieces, and then certain pieces are just a mess. Buccaneers' offensive line and defense has just been horrible. Um, it's regressed drastically, even though they've had injuries on the O-line. Godwin's been banged up all year. And then you, F- Panthers and Falcons, just they're in rebuild mode, but they might be in the playoffs as well, which is yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy seeing that. And and I'm, I'm seeing it looks like last place in the NFC are the Rams. The uh, They were just in the Super Bowl. Yeah, who would have thought? They are. They actually have overtaken the Steelers. They are the number one, or well, I guess that's an awful way of saying it. The number one worst. They're the thirty second ranked. Um, actually, sorry, they're the thirty first 
ranked uh, point differential, as we like to talk about. So the Steelers are at minus 67. Kimo von Olhoffen. And then you see the Rams at minus 75. And the worst team is uh, are the Texans at minus 86. There was this strange like rumor like a week after the Super Bowl, if you remember, where Aaron Donald thought about retiring and Sean McVay also thought about retiring. Yeah. I'm wondering if like they just knew something about the direction of the franchise. If they just thought now's the time to cement our legacies and just get out while we're on top. I mean, I mean you see uh, Odell Beckham Jr. didn't resign with them. You see Von Miller went to Buffalo, right? Yeah. Um, Jalen Ramsey's regressed. He should be looking on the, I, I would look to trade him if you could get a pick for him, um, in the off season. Um, someone else, uh, has Andrew he, Woodward has he retired. just, has he just fallen off? Because I feel like that's, you see that with cornerbacks almost more than anything. Like it, they could go from all pro one year to just uh, benched. Yeah. It's a very tough position in today's NFL. And he's played at such a high level for so long that I don't know, maybe the game's like finally taking its toll on him. Um, and we're seeing just better receivers in today's NFL coming up up the pipe every year. Um, it's it's tougher when these guys get older, considering like the scarcity of corner versus you know the uh, you know over overload that you have at wide receiver. It, it, it's tough to find good corners in today's NFL, and it's hard to maintain being a good corner as well. All right. Um, do you think uh, who do you think wins the game? And uh, what what are you expecting in it before we make your picks? I'm expecting a low-scoring one again. I, I would like to see the Steelers just, you know, this is a get-right game for both teams. Both teams are in rebuild mode. But this is the game where we're looking to build confidence in, our, in Kenny Pickett and what we can do as a team. That'd be the main thing I'd, I'd focus on. Let, let's... let's Let's go penalty free if we can. You know they really limited their penalties this week against the Colts, and uh, I hope they maintain that. Let's let's do everything right situationally, and then let's take our shots with Kenny Pickett. Let's because if if we lose, we're just getting an earlier draft pick, and if we win, then we're practicing ways and finding ways to win football games. I think the Steelers, surprisingly enough, will come away with a victory here. I think when you have nothing to play for, sometimes you play better versus a Falcons team that is trying to compete for a division right now. But team, these teams are about, I think the Steelers actually have more talent. And uh, TJ Watt being back just makes such a difference. And the, the Falcons, I think Steelers could slow down the run game, force them into passing the football. And I, 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 uh, I, I do like the Steelers to win this game. I'm thinking maybe... Like uh, maybe like twenty to seventeen or some sort of low scoring game, or possibly tying. Yeah, <laughs> or or tying. I they, there's they, always they, a feel for the Falcons tying ever since the, yeah, the year. They tied back in like the Cordell Stewart days, I think. Did they? Is that when it was? I, I, I believe it was the Falcons and Steelers. I remember one one time when the Steelers played the Falcons. Uh, Heinz Ward made his catch on like a slant, and his shoe fell off, and it was such a big deal that he like scored with one shoe. <laughs> that's cool yeah um you, you don't you don't really s- see that often even even like J- jason witten running without his helmet if you remember <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> guys are smarter now it's just it's not worth it um uh, what is the spread in this um last i saw it was going I, I think it was like Two and a half, maybe three and a half. Let's take a look. Yeah, I could see that being pretty close. Now, they have six games remaining, including this game against the Falcons. There's the Falcons, the Ravens, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Ravens again, and then the Browns. Of these six games, what do you think uh, they finish out record-wise? I'll say three and three. So... Yes. Yeah, I, I, I would just say I think Carolina could be a win. Cleveland could be a win, even though Deshaun Watson's coming back. And they may sneak one out against Baltimore. You never know in division. So yeah. I'm going to say the, I think Carolina's very doable. A division game, one or the other, is doable. If not, you know, one against uh, Baltimore and then maybe against Cleveland. And if they lose those, I mean, Vegas is still um, 
Vegas is having a, a very, very poor year as well. Um, historically, the Raiders seem to have had the Steelers number the past few years. So I think the Raiders take that. But I, I, I think all things considered, an easier schedule coming up. I think three and three at best, I would say. So you're thinking like a seven and ten overall record. Yeah, I, I bet I would say yes, six or seven wins. And at, uh, the spread Falcons or, or Steelers are plus one this week. At seven and ten, hypothetically, where do you expect them to draft? Uh, generally, if you're seven and ten, you're probably thinking maybe 12? anywhere from eight to twelve. Yeah, that's kind of my guess. Uh, hopefully, they go uh, one in five. With a bunch well, of uh, a lot of bad teams this year too that are right there with the Steelers. I'd like to see them put up a ton of numbers, but for some reason, like giving up, I don't know, yeah, that's a, a fluke kick doing. return or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Bears are doing. They're scoring points and losing. Yeah, I wonder yeah, what yeah. their their uh, point differential is that we like to talk about. Bears mm-hmm. are at minus fifty four. Wow. Yeah. Well. Um. Geez. What was I going to ask? Okay, anything else going from the the Falcons game, or can we get into the picks? Uh, we can get into the, uh, some of the picks. All right. Number one. This is crazy, but believe it or not, I'm going to take the Denver Broncos, led by Russell Wilson, this week. At okay. plus eight and a half against Baltimore. Um, to me, this is, again, too big of a spread, even though Denver has been a mess all year, and last week is one of the worst weeks they've had all season. But at this point, I think uh, Coach is coaching for his job. Uh, yeah, Hack- Hackett needs this win. And I think eight and a half is just two points in the NFL. Um, Denver does have a, a pretty good defense. Pat Sertain's one of the best corners in the game. And uh, Lamar Jackson, the past few weeks, hasn't looked in particularly good, I think. I think it was since uh, after week three today, he's only had one game where he's had multiple touchdowns. And six, Denver has eight losses, so their record's been very, very bad. But six of their losses were only by one possession. Eight and a half points are getting, obviously, covers that possession. Ravens have struggled to close out games the past couple weeks, and they're 0-4-1 against the spread at home this year. Baltimore definitely wins this game outright, but I like Denver with the 8.5. All right, we'll see how uh, your Russell Wilson Broncos hold up. Uh. Number two. (laughs) (laughs) The the sound of number two (laughs) is the exact reaction when you hear this game. (laughs) <laughs> I'm getting the Detroit Lions minus one and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was <laughs> what a what a game. You know what? I actually I watched the end of that Jacksonville game. That was entertaining. Just yeah. I, I I wanted to see Trevor Lawrence win. I like I want him to be as good as the hype was. Trevor Lawrence has played very well the last three weeks. Six touchdowns to zero interceptions and. I think both these teams are exciting watches. Both records are poor, but I think the Jaguars and Lions are just both exciting teams to watch. They're young guys that are excited about playing football. They're aggressive, and I don't know. It's entertaining, even though they're not really putting up Ws. Um, but Lions are minus one and a half. It, 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 it's going to be a clo- close game, but I'm, I'm going with Detroit Detroit's because they're at home. And uh, Jared Goff has just been great at home this year. Uh, 15 touchdowns to just three interceptions. And Lions are third in the NFL in total touchdowns. They they put up numbers. They allow a lot. But I, I think home crowd, Jared Goff, the QB rating he's had at home, despite Trevor Lawrence playing well, I, I think Detroit is just a little bit too, too physical for Jacksonville this week. And uh, I, I like them win this in a close game. Who would have thought Jared Goff showing up? I mean, not that it's translating into wins, which is really what matters, but he's doing better than a lot of people thought. They were writing him off in Detroit. They almost play this, like, backyard style of football where, you know, you're putting points up on the board, but then you're allowing so many points as well. But I I think this week, I think, you know, just the aggression that this team brings is going to be a little bit too much for Jacksonville this week. Um, 
It, the the secondary is a mess in Detroit. Jacksonville's upgraded wide receiver significantly, so if they expect to win, they're going to have to put pressure on Trevor Lawrence this week. All right. Number three. Number three. Um, I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins this week. They're actually getting points, so that's obviously something eye-opening. They're plus three and a half against San Francisco. Um, they're going on the road, so that's why they're probably getting the points. But as much as I love both teams, I think Miami has just played incredibly well. And if you're going to give me them with the over a field goal, I just have to take it. Um, are you a McDaniels guy? With, what was that? Are you a McDaniels guy? I think he's a very smart guy, but he's just—he's also very strange and weird. <laughs> but he—he's he, a weirdo. But he knows—he knows football, and the team rallies around him. So I, I give him all the credit in the world. I think he's the best first-year coach this year, absolutely. So I'm—I I would say I, I'm a fan, despite him being a little strange. Yeah, he seems <laughs> all right. It's better than Adam yeah. Case, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Miami plus three and a half. I got to like it. The, these guys, Kyle Shanahan and McDaniels, know each other. McDaniel came from uh, the, the 49ers, so teams definitely know each other really well. But the Dolphins are undefeated with Tua this year when he finishes the game. And get this, he they average just under 30 points per game with Tua, which is first in the NFL. Wow. That, that's strange. Yeah, they average... Also, the last three games, they averaged 35 points per game. Tua's one of those guys where, like, besides, like, last season, it's, like, all he does is win. Like, that's all he's done his entire career. Like, high school, yeah. college, NFL. I had my uh, concerns about Tua. He can't throw the ball downfield necessarily, and he's barely taller. He has said he could barely see over the offensive line. He's not particularly mobile either, but... He does what Garoppolo does, which is just get the ball out quickly to your playmakers. And, uh, I mean, Jalen Waddle's fifth in receiving yards. Tyreek Hill is leading the league. This team is just, they're electrifying. San Fran, if there's a team that can slow it down, it's definitely San Francisco, who will play defense and will run the ball, control the clock, and uh, try to limit their opportunities on offense. But I, I, I'm, I just think if you're giving me the points here, I'm going to take Miami plus three and a half. So give me them and their explosive offense. If they get rolling, I think it's going to be tough for Jimmy Grappler to keep up with them. Um, so g- give me Miami points here. All righty. Number four. Four. We're going to go back to the our uh, favorite division here, the NFC East. <laughs> Give me the Saints also plus three and a half this week going into Tampa Bay. Um, Brady has just struggled against the Saints since joining Tampa Bay. He's two and four with one regular season win, one playoff win versus the Saints joining Tampa Bay. And Saints just find a way to dominate Brady, it seems like, a couple years. Um, they're actually... Um, Marshall on Lattimore missed last week. He'll be questionable this week. But if he plays, he can shut Mike Evans down better than anyone in the league, which is going to force Tampa Bay into a more run-heavy offense, which they have struggled to do all year. Saints are top 10 in sacks, and Tristan Wirfs is out, um, which is – I think Wirfs being out is the biggest loss on their team outside of Tom Brady, you could argue. Yeah. He just – yeah, he's a – you know he, he's a wall at the right tack, tackle position, and even in the playoff game last year when he got out, the Rams got after Brady. I think Brady's going to struggle in the pocket. He's not going to have much time. I think they're going to have limited weapons. And uh, Saints, even with Andy Dalton, I think can pull this out if you're giving me three and a half points. Um, look for. Uh, the, I think they should just do what the Rams did. They put Aaron Donald over the backup right tackle all day. I think that's what the Saints should do with uh, Camper and Jordan this week and just get after Brady. And um, crazy stat that I found. Uh, Tampa Bay is leading the division, like we said. But get this. They are last in total points among every team in their division. Wow. Yeah, the, the whole division is just... Very average. 
Yeah, and that, I don't think it's ever happened where you score the fewest points among all four teams in your division yeah. and you're winning. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. What did, what did yeah. you say the spread was in that? Three and a half oh, okay. for the Saints. Yeah, um, just just historically speaking, I think that people are all over. They're thinking it's Dalton versus Brady, so give me Brady. But if you look at Saints, Saints versus the Brady Buccaneers, Saints come away more times than not. Um, Brady beat them earlier in the year, but I think this, this, this is a different team that uh, Saints have. They're getting healthier while Tampa Bay is still banged up. Um, Leonard Fournette may not play this week. And, uh, I mean, Devin White's just been a, a bust this year inside for um, Tampa Bay. I think uh, the Saints could uh, potentially win this in an upset. I was just looking at the the top receiving yards because we were talking about that, and I clicked on a stat. It's just called fumbles. So forced fumbles. JP, take a guess at who's leading the league with four forced fumbles. Um, uh, if we're talking about the Saints, I'll assume it's a Saint. I'll I'll, I'll say uh, 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 Cameron Jordan. It's actually somebody on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, is that uh, Highsmith? Yes, Highsmith is Highsmith is tied with Kobe Bryant leading the league with four forced fumbles. <laughs> yeah, Didn't so. they tie in uh, rebounds last year too? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, um, Alice Highsmith is having a, a, a solid year. He's obviously way more productive than Watts in the game. But yeah, I didn't know he was leading the league in forced fumbles. Yeah, uh, it's usually what Watt does, actually. Yeah, really. At least somebody is uh, this year, and his uh, absence, I guess. Let's uh, let's go and wrap it up with number five. Number five. I just had to go here. Um, give me Houston Texans plus seven against the Cleveland Browns this week. I always love hearing what Houston's points are. <laughs> You uh, said plus seven? Yes. Against who? Six, Cleveland? Well, seven's a lot of points, obviously. Um, I I just... Deshaun Watson's coming back from <laughs> Cleveland to play his former team. This game could go either way. I feel like Houston wants to embarrass them. Yeah. But Cleveland, Cleveland is one and four on the road this year. And uh, Watson hasn't played in about two years. We'll see if he's rusty. I think that Houston crowd of all places for him to play, if anyone's going to torment him and get in his head, I feel like Houston is just the place that's going to... They're going to be brutal and aggressive with what they say. The signs that come to that game and what they have to say to him, and the entire game, this home crowd is going to benefit Houston. You're giving me seven points. Um and a uh, funny thing is, these are the bottom two teams against the run. So I'm expecting a low-scoring game. Kind of like what I said about Carolina and Baltimore a couple weeks ago. I feel like since we have two run-heavy teams, overcoming a seven-point spread from the get-go is going to be tough enough. So I, I look for both teams to run the ball. Look for Nick Chubb to have a monster day. Um, but I, I think Pierce for Houston's had a poor couple weeks so for him to come back um i just i, I just i don't know how watson's gonna feel i, I kind of feel like this game's gonna get to him a little bit and uh i i like houston with the points what are what are you thinking overall with watson do you think he comes back in and, and has a solid rest of the season i don't know because uh, he did play in the preseason this year he looked kind of rusty um i know he's been back to practice a couple weeks um I, I think he has like all the talent in the world to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And the Browns are a, a talented bunch they have in the run game and Amari Cooper on the outside. I think they could win a few games here. I just don't think the very first game is going to be pretty. And uh, especially if he's playing his former team. I, I just, I think, I think Houston gets after him a little bit. I think Cleveland wins this just because they're a better team. But I, I, I think Houston wants to lose lose out sort of tank here, but I really feel like they want to make a statement against Deshaun Watson because he also requested a trade here, and he was talking 
poorly management and everything in Houston too. I feel like they want to come out and harass him as well. I agree. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to, to see the whole uh, Watson situation. I feel like everyone in the uh, front office for Houston would have been content with a 1-16 year if they can beat Deshaun Watson. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know what? I'd, lo- I'd love to see Houston beat Deshaun Watson. And obviously, you, they have to know that going into the season that Deshaun Watson was probably going to get the, what, 12-game suspension. Uh, so it would be Houston would be the debut. Mm-hmm. I, I, wish, I wish they could have, like, mic'd up uncensored from the crowd, from the players for this game. I, I just... They're going to say some some stuff to Watson, and I, I really want to see how how he responds. All right, that's uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to tune into that. I I, I want to see how it goes. Um, that has to be the most exciting game between two teams who combine for less than like five wins ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all all the outside storylines because the football is not interesting at all. Yeah. JP, anything you want to end on? Um. Let's uh, let's let's like I said, let's hope. Uh, I don't know if I want to hope for a Steeler W this week, but let's hope for uh, a, a good performance and hopefully with. Uh, I don't know if I want a W here, but hopefully they uh, they can correct their mistakes. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Now, everybody, uh, please, like I said earlier, you can watch the live stream of Regular Poor Man's podcast on Mondays, usually around 6.30. You can watch that on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, you can obviously listen to the podcast because that's what you're doing right now. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, um, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Audible, whatever, you know, all of them things. So if you can find it, listen to it. Uh, listen to the sports show on every Wednesday, JP. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Oh, always. It's always a pleasure. So for Sports Guy JP, I'm Chris. I'm going to say I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. You like that? You like that? You play to win the game. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie.